Welcome to First Baptist Belton. By God's grace, we aim to be a gospel-centered people that know Jesus intimately, serve Jesus passionately, and share Jesus globally. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you enjoy the following message. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I, I want to first begin by saying thank you um, as, a, as a staff member here. I want to thank you for um, your willingness to let our staff um, take vacation. Um, I went on vacation with my family this last week, and um, I'm, I guess I'm glad to be back. Um, no, it is good to be back, but we, for real, it, it is a gift um, that you give us, and so we're grateful for it, and thank you so much for time away um, to just to just press pause and to be away with family and to just enjoy being together. So thank you very much. Um, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles. We're continuing in our series um, that we've been in on the Sermon on the Mount. And we've been talking a, a lot about what Jesus is, is teaching here, his sermon, the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, honestly. And we've been talking about that we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And so what should we be like? What kind of people has Jesus called us to be? And what should we look like and do in our actions? And Jesus points a lot in this sermon, and he will again today, really to the heart, really to who we are. There's a lot of outward action, but he, he goes to, to the heart and so we're going to look some more today in Matthew chapter 6. And so I want to invite you to open your Bibles there. And we will start there, and then I'm going to give you, and I know that you may not have a lot of ribbons to do this, so you're going to have to use fingers and toes and other people's fingers and toes to mark all the places that I want you to find first, okay? So Matthew chapter 6 is where we'll start, okay? Then I want you to find Deuteronomy chapter 15, so mark that, Deuteronomy chapter 15, so Matthew 6, Deuteronomy 15, and then mark Proverbs chapter 19, we're almost there, I promise, some of y'all are sitting there thinking, man, this is going to be longer than his last sermon. It'll be all right, I promise. Proverbs 19, so we've got Matthew 6, Deuteronomy 15, Proverbs 19, and you don't have to mark this one because it's just a, a page or two over. We'll also read Proverbs 21, and then the last two I need you to mark, Isaiah 58, so Matthew 6, Deuteronomy 15, Proverbs 19, we'll also read Proverbs 21. Isaiah 58, and then the last one is Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. I see a lot of nervous faces. So once again, Matthew 6 is where we'll start. Deuteronomy 15, Proverbs 19 and 21, Isaiah 58, and Luke chapter 12. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Jesus, as, as the choir just sang, it is our heart's cry that, that we would truly rather have you than anything. And God, I pray that as we look at your word today, as we focus on your living and active word, God, I pray that it would 
teach us, instruct us, encourage us, challenge us. Lord, if there's any sin in our hearts, which I know there is in mine, I pray that, that today would, we would confess that and repent and turn to do what's right. Lord, I pray that we would come humbly to your word. Lord, I pray that we would see as you desire us to see. Give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Because we'd rather have Jesus than anything. And it's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Well, let's jump right in. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to read the first four verses. I want you to notice, and I'm not going to get into upcoming sermons, but over over the next few weeks, what you're going to see is common language in verses 1 through verse 18. You're going to see a lot of common language here where Jesus is going to talk about Here's what, you're, here's what you do, but you need to beware because you can do these things such as giving to the needy, praying, fasting. You can do these and actually do them in the wrong way. You can actually be a hypocrite. And so Jesus uses this language through these next few verses, these next few weeks that we're going to be talking about. And today we're specifically going to talk about giving to the needy. And so he begins by saying, beware. Beware. If Jesus, this is red letter, right? If Jesus says, watch out, beware, then we might want to do what? Beware, right? Okay? We might want to watch out, okay? We need to watch out and be careful. So he says, beware of practicing your righteousness, doing what's right before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, so here's the first thing, I've got, I've got two points that I want you to see today in this passage. The first point is this, God's people give generously to meet people's needs. That's the first point I want you to see, God's people give generously to meet people's needs. This passage, this sermon, this lesson that Jesus teaches, he starts out with the words, when you give to the needy. When you give to the needy. Now, this implica- now this, this is, there's this implication there that you will give. His hearers, when they heard this, this was not some paradigm shift in their thinking. Or it shouldn't have been. This was a part of what they understood in the Old Testament law. And they understood as they, as they were going through the wilderness and rescued from Egypt. They understood this. Generosity towards the poor is a basic expectation throughout the whole Bible. Actually, let me stop right here. I'm not going to make this a sermon about tithing, but giving, please hear me, giving to the poor and giving in general, 
tithes and offerings is all throughout the Scriptures. God's people, you and I, rescued by Jesus, set free from our sins, should be the most generous people on the planet. It, it's throughout the entire Bible. Let's, here's what I want to do, and this is why I had you turn there. I want to just do a quick survey of a handful of passages. This is not all of them. This is just a handful of them, that, that this is when you give to the needy. This is the context, some of the context of what Jesus is teaching here. So from the law, the writings, the prophets, the gospels, and the letters throughout the Bible, the expectation is clear that God's people will be generous. And they'll especially be generous to those who are needy. Deuteronomy 15. Look at verse 7 through 11. If among you one of your brothers should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother. But you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient. Notice that word. Sufficient for his need. Whatever it may be. Take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And you say, the seventh year, the year of release is near. And your eye look grudgingly on your poor brother. And you give him nothing. And he cry to the Lord against you, and you be guilty of sin. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. For there will never cease to be poor in the land. Therefore I command you, you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor in your land. So we can see in these verses this crystal clear expectation that if you see your brother in need, you will give to him. You will, you will meet his needs. You will share. You will lend to him. You will, you will meet what he needs, meet those needs. Now I want to give you some context here in this chapter. There's a little, there's some reference to the law's expectations and some of the law's calendar. So I want to, I want to talk about what, what is being said here. He says, take care lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. And then he also says, or then the person says, but then the seventh year is coming, the year of release is near. So what is this referring to in the seven years? In, in the calendar, in Israel's calendar, the people of Israel forgot the debt of burden of their brothers and sisters. So every seven years, debts were released. Debts were released. And so you can imagine if you had loaned your neighbor a hundred bucks, right? And it just happened to be two months before the seven-year release or the seventh year. So, Because on that, on that year, the people of Israel celebrated the grace and mercy of God and they would forget the debt of others. So what this is referring to here in Deuteronomy chapter 15 is that don't hesitate to give your brother or sister all that he needs if you see that he's needing, if you see that he's poor, even if you know that the debt 
is going to be released shortly. Even if you know that if, you, if he needs $100 to get by and you lend it to him, but you know, oh man, two months from now is the seventh year of release, the command is still give it to him. Still give it to him. This is a call to lend and to give generously, knowing that you might not receive anything back. But I want you to notice the incentive here. There are two incentives, one negative and one positive. One side of the coin, the negative side, the incentive, if you see your brother in need and you do not give to him, you will be guilty of sin. And not just guilty of sin, when he cries out, I'll hear him. And my wrath will be on you in that moment. Because he was in need, you heard his cry, and you didn't meet his need. Then there's this lovely positive incentive, so the other side of the coin. And it says, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work, in all that you undertake. So if you think about it, there's this beautiful situation where these people have been given the grace and mercy of God over and over and over again, and they've been set free in a new land. God has given them everything they need for life and for flourishing. And so when you see your brother in need, your brother poor, reflect back and remember that you were once poor, that you were once suffering in Egypt. And remember the mighty work of God when he rescued you out of slavery in Egypt and, and gave you water and, and food while you were in the wilderness. Remember God's hand of grace and mercy and generosity towards you in those moments. And now relieve the burden from the shoulder of your brother. God has provided for you every step of the way. Now be generous and give toward others, just as God has for you. Now skip, a, skip ahead a little bit. We're continuing to look at when you give to the poor. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 19. You're going to see some common language here from Deuteronomy all the way through. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 17. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. He who is generous to the poor is like someone lending to the Lord. Now, there is no one more trustworthy to repay a debt than the Lord. And that's what you're supposed to see here. God will repay the generosity issued toward the poor. Now, God, you can't lend anything to God. Everything is God's. But, but what the writer here is showing us is that everything belongs to him, but, but when you're generous to the poor, it's like you are lending to the Lord. And he will repay that good work. We'll talk more about that 
near the conclusion of the sermon. So when you're generous to the poor, it's like you're lending to the Lord and he will repay that. Flip over to Proverbs 21, verse 13. Again, you're going to see this common language. Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor, this sounds like Deuteronomy, will himself call out and not be answered. These are sobering words when you really think about it. In a similar way as Deuteronomy, we see this positive and this negative incentive. The positive incentive is you're generous to the poor, the Lord will hear you and he'll reward you. The negative incentive, if you hear the cry of the poor and you ignore them, when you're in a state of desperation and you cry out to God, he'll ignore you. He will not hear your cries. Now skip ahead to Isaiah 58. Again, we're just looking at a survey here when Jesus said, when you give to the needy, Isaiah 58, beginning in verse 6, beautiful passage. Isaiah 58, 6, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness? to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong, and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Now, this could be a whole sermon in itself. But when Jesus in Matthew 6 is is teaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says, beware of your righteousness that, that is in front of people when you give to the needy. See, God is calling his people to reflect the mercy and grace and the generosity that he has poured out on them. Let's look at one more, Luke, in the New Testament. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Jesus says, fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Sell your stuff. Give it to the needy. Invest in the kingdom of God. So the, so the curtain starting to be peeled back here when Jesus is talking. If you, if you look back and you think about Deuteronomy, what does he mean? Well, I will repay the debt as if you lend it to me in Proverbs. What does it mean in Deuteronomy? The Lord will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. What does that mean? Jesus here says, it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The kingdom. When you sell your stuff, you give to those in need. You meet the needs of the, of the poor and the homeless, those that have nothing. You are laying your treasure in an eternal kingdom. So the counsel of the entire Bible is that God's people give generously. Why? Why do God's people give generously? Because we are who we are. We have the hope that we have because God has been generous to us. I have a hard time believing that you can be Christian and not be generous. It's contrary to the Bible. That God, in His Son, Jesus, and you can receive the gift and grace and mercy of God, knowing full well that all that we have is God's, and we hold on to it with tight fists, and we're not generous. That's unchristian. It's not right. We, we give generously because God says if you choose to turn your ear from the cry of the oppressed, it will go bad for you. When you cry out, you will not be heard. Because God says if you hear the cry of the oppressed and you serve them in their desperation, you pull the yoke from their shoulders, you bear the burden along with them, selling your possessions, giving to the needy, you receive the kingdom. That's the biblical testimony about giving to those in need. So back to Matthew chapter 6. Jesus says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. When you give to the needy. That's the context that he's talking about. It was a very clear expectation of God's people to be generous, especially to those who are in need. Here's the second point. God's people give generously with right motives. God's people give generously with right motives. Jesus goes on in verses 2 through 4 to explain the situation of giving and teaches about right motives. In other words, what we're going to talk about now, or what Jesus talks about, is why you give matters. The why matters. Let's look at verses 2 through 4 one more time in Matthew 6. Thus, when you give to the needy, 
Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So in other words, what Jesus is teaching here is that it's not enough to merely give. If you find yourself generous, don't just check the box. You need to explore the situation of your generosity because you can be generous toward the needy for the wrong reasons. Isn't this this common to what Jesus has been talking about in this whole Sermon on the Mount? The outward action can look right, but the inside is actually wrong. That's been the whole point of this Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says that you can actually give generously to the poor in a wicked way. The situation you can see here that Jesus is pointing to is the situation of someone someone whose giving is very visible. And I want you to think about this. That visible giving highlights an invisible longing. The visible giving that Jesus is talking about here highlights an invisible longing. What Jesus says here is that giving to the poor visibly, and here comes the invisible longing, with the desire to be praised by men. Visible giving with an invisible longing to be praised by men. Jesus is highlighting that when you're giving generously to the poor in a way that other people can see, it's actually pointing your attention to your heart's idol, which is self. If you give to the poor and you sound the trumpets, you're actually highlighting your own idolatry. You're not really giving to bless, to help, to serve others. You're actually giving to the poor to meet your own self-idolatry. To feed the craving for you to be worshipped. For you to be praised. And as we've seen in this sermon, that Jesus is really good at pointing out outward behaviors that highlight inward sin. And this is one of them. And he's going to continue to do it. And think about how audacious this is. Think about how audacious this is. He says, sound no trumpet before you. What's he talking about here? This is how audacious giving so that you can be seen is. When the people of Israel were gathered to worship God at the synagogue, it was done with trumpets. The trumpets would sound and it it would declare to the people that it's time to go praise God. It's time to go reflect on God's mercy and grace. It's time to go praise Him together and to pray and to give and to serve. It's time to go lift high, to go worship God. And so Jesus says that this notion of sounding the trumpets is a notion of rallying the praise of men. It's giving publicly because you want people to see. 
And Jesus says, that's sounding the trumpets. You're sounding the trumpets, except you're not sounding the trumpets for people to come praise God. You're not sounding the trumpets to assemble the people to praise Him. You're sounding the trumpets to assemble people to praise you. Look at my generosity. Look at my giving to the poor. In other words, what Jesus says here is you're good at tooting your own horn. Don't do it. And here's the bad part about that. When we do that, we steal praise from God. Brothers and sisters, when you put yourself as the object of affection, respect, and honor of men, self-promotion comes at the expense of God-exaltation. When, when you are the object of affection, respect, and honor of men, self-promotion comes at the expense of God-exaltation. So Jesus says, don't do that. Don't, don't sound the trumpet for people to praise you. Don't do this. Because when you do that, your religion is nothing but a show. You're following my commandments to give to the needy is a show. You're an actor on a stage. It's fake. It's hypocrisy. The word, um, the word seen there, that you may be seen or to be seen by them in verse 1, that word is the word from which we get theatrical. Then in verse 2, he calls them hypocrites. And that's what Jesus is saying here, is you're an actor on a stage. You're nothing but an actor on a stage doing what you do for the applause of people who watch. And he says, don't seek the praise of men. Don't sound the trumpets. Don't rally people to recognize your generosity, because that's not the right way. Now, I want you to notice here, since we're talking about right motives, notice what Jesus says about their reward. I don't want you to get the idea that God's a stingy God. He's actually a gracious, giving God. He gives them exactly what they crave. They get their reward. They get exactly what they're seeking. They were looking for the praise of men, and what do they get? The praise of men. They received their reward. Well, then the, the question must be asked, how are God's people to give generously to the poor? What are the right motives? Well, he tells them. He shows them. He continues to teach them. He says that when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Now, I did a lot of studying on this text, and physiologically speaking, this is actually impossible. Left hands don't know what right hands are doing, right? If you really want to think about it, my right hand doesn't know anything. I've, I've tried to figure this out. It doesn't work. So what, but what is Jesus saying here? He tells them that if you want to walk in righteousness, you want to do the right thing, you want to be the people that, that, that follow my way, then your giving should be secret 
and self-forgetful. It should be secret and self-forgetful. There's a word that I want us to focus on here. Jesus focuses on it, and it's the word of obscurity. Obscurity in our culture and in their culture, obscurity is dreaded, but it is a helpful discipline. Obscurity. You should be so frequently generous to the poor that you can't really remember who you gave to and what you gave to. You should be so generous that it should be secret that other people didn't even know that it, how it happened or who did it. To be obscured, uh, obscure in our giving, secret and self-forgetful. Why does Jesus point to secret giving in the first place? Why does he say this? Why is this so important? Let me give you a few reasons. Number one, Jesus points to secret giving because he knows that our hearts crave the praise of men. He knows how nasty and dirty our hearts can be, that we crave the applause and the approval of men. He knows that. This doesn't just manifest itself in giving, does it? He'll actually point to that later on in praying. He'll point to that in fasting. All throughout the scriptures, we see that our hearts are, are idle factories. We long for the approval of people. And so Jesus points toward, self, uh, toward secret giving because we are bent toward self-exaltation. Our hunger for self-promotion and praise turns us into religious performers. We become actors who want the lights and the camera to be on us, and God is grieved by this. But here's another reality. We also forfeit a far greater reward. We forfeit a great reward if that's what we're seeking is the praise and the approval of men. Secondly, Jesus points to secret giving because unlike the hypocrites that sound the trumpets, he desires his followers to actively avoid situations that rally the praise of men. He knows that our hearts crave it, and he wants us to, to find ways and to seek ways to avoid situations that rally the praise of men. When we do the right thing, when we give in secret, this is a part of crushing the idols in our own hearts and between given the choice of praise of men and the praise of God, the followers of Jesus, the right way, His people, should go for the praise of God every single time. Now the last reason that Jesus points to giving in secret is because your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, now look back at Matthew chapter 6. I want to show you something um, fascinating. You, you probably already know it, but it's fascinating to me. Look back in your Bibles. It says, so that you're giving, the last verse, verse 4, so that you're giving maybe in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, here's the cool thing that linguistically is happening in this verse. Jesus says, your Father. Your Father. Now, if you think about it in English, what we speak, 
we have only one you. And it's confusing. So we find ways around it. For example, there's the singular you, right? So in other words, I may not know Billy, but he's crossing the street. There's a car coming. I know that this car is about to plow over Billy. I don't know his name. I don't know who he is. And so I yell out to him what? Hey, you, right? Hey, you, there's a car coming and you're about to, your life is over. Get out of the way. Hey, you, that's singular. Now, that's uncommon in the ancient languages. There's more than one you. There's you for a single person, and then there's you for a group. Now, we've accommodated for this in Texas by saying what? Y'all, man, y'all knew, have y'all, did y'all write my sermon? Yeah, we've accommodated this in Texas, right? Y'all, that's speaking to a group of people, right? Several people or a group. Now, in Greek, there's a word for you when you're speaking to a group, and there's a word for you when you're speaking to just one person. And almost every single time in Scripture, when Jesus says, your Father, he's speaking to you as a group. Your Father. The Father of y'all. But in chapter 6, when he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. When he's talking about the father who sees in secret, he says, your father. You. You alone. You individually. He's your father. Not, not a group. You. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. The one that nobody else that nobody else sees because they're in secret. The giving that no one sees, but, but your Father does. He's your Father, and He will reward you. So He sees you not in some generical, generic universal sense, but in a very personal, very practical sense. And I, I, hope, I hope that this overwhelms you this morning. When you, when you read this, it's beautiful. He knows you, and He sees your works, and He sees your secret acts, and your secret giving, and your secret serving, and your secret loving. He sees it. And He's ready to reward your secret faithfulness. So there's moments in Scripture that, that reflect on God's relationship to His people, and then there are moments in Scripture that reflect on God's relationship to His individual sons and daughters, and this is one of those. Your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. And that's where this passage lands. Your Father sees when no one else sees. He sees you when nobody else sees you. He sees you when you choose what's right. Even when there's no perk, no fame, no honor, no thanks. He sees you. When you're pouring yourself out on your children. When you're giving the last few dollars in your checking account. He sees it. He sees you. And Jesus calls us to follow him in the secret ways. 
and in the ways that if we do it right, most of the time, nobody will see. But that's why Jesus says to give in secret, because he knows that God sees, that your Father sees it. And he rewards every secret gift. Every secret act of generosity is an investment in God's sweet pleasure, in God's smile, his attention, his affection, his kingdom. The reward of your secret giving is God. And I don't know a better reward than that. He is a God who sees. Every secret act of generosity is an investment in God's pleasure. And you and I are created to find our joy in the joy of our Creator. So every secret act, every secret gift, every secret prayer, all the secret fasting, all the secret serving, all the secret giving is an investment in God's sweet pleasure. Christ Jesus has called us to do radical acts of righteousness. He calls us as his followers to radical sacrifice, radical generosity, and radical devotion. And majority of the time it's unnoticed and maybe even forgotten. But not by the God who sees you. But he's not just a God who sees. He's also a God who rewards There is not a secret act of righteousness that will not yield dividends in the coming kingdom. Not one. The honor of this world, the fickle, the inconsequential praise of men has nothing, has absolutely nothing on the glory of our God. He's a God who sees you. And he wants to reward you for every secret act of righteousness. So let me give you just a few action points. Number one, real quick, give generously. I've said it over and over and over. This is, the, this is what the Bible teaches. Because God has lavished his grace and mercy on us through Christ. We should be the most generous people. Be generous to the needy. Be generous to brothers and sisters who are in need. In my 15 and a half years that I've been at this church, I have seen you over and over and over do this very well. You have met the needs of people beyond my belief. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen within my own family. I've seen it happen when I was youth minister. I've seen it happen even now and as people, you meet people's needs in secret. Keep being generous. Be generous. Let's be the most generous secret givers in Bell County. Be generous in your giving. I, I want to I also say that as you give, some of you may not know this, and again, I'm not, I'm not talking about tithing, but I want to mention just real quick, because some of you may not be aware of this. When we're talking specifically to giving to the needy, did you know that when you tithe, when you give every single week or when you give monthly or whenever you give, 
And you place your tithes and offerings in the back of the, of the sanctuary. Did you know a portion of your money every single time goes to exactly meeting the needs of the poor? Through organizations that we support, through missionaries around the world who serve the poor and the needy, for the homeless in our community. When you give, it's not just for lights in the sanctuary and thank goodness for air conditioning. Please keep giving. No, it, it's, going to, it's going out of these walls to meet the needs of people. The poor, the homeless, the needy. Let's be generous givers. Number two, give creatively. Some of you are the most creative people I've ever met. Some of you are not. But be creative in your giving. Think of ways that you can give your money, your time, your energy, your effort, volunteer. Be creative with your giving to meet the needs of the poor and the needy. And lastly, give with the right heart. Don't worry about seeking the praise of men, the applause and the approval of others. Just give in secret because you have a father who sees you. And he sees every secret act of righteousness. And he'll reward you. He'll reward you. Let's pray. As you bow your heads, I want you to just take a few moments. Just spend a few moments before the Lord. We do this at the end of each sermon. It's a time to, as we enter into response, it's a time for all of us to enter into, we've heard the word, now how do I respond? So all of us need to respond in this moment. So take some time to just be before the Lord. The first thing I want you to do is just thank God for a moment for his generosity toward you. Just thank him. He's been so generous to you. The gift of salvation through his son. His grace that he doesn't count your sins against you. They're paid for, they're purchased by Jesus. His grace and mercy in your life. Just spend a moment just thanking God for his generosity towards you. Next, I want you to just ask the, ask the Lord to reveal any ways that, that you may seek the applause of men, that you may be seeking the approval of others. You're sounding your trumpet. Confess that to him. Repent of it. And then lastly, what are, what are ways that you can apply this message from his word? We don't want to just be hearers only. We want to be doers. Maybe for some of you who are not giving at all, maybe that's how you can obey. 
Maybe you can increase your generosity. Maybe for some of us, it's just lifting up our eyes and seeing the poor and the needy around us. How can we apply this message? Lord God, would you give us eyes to see, to see your coming kingdom? Would you set our hearts hope in your promises? Would you renew our joy in your salvation? Give us minds to comprehend your nearness so that we can give generously to those in need and do so with the right motives. God, help us to be people of action, to give generously to the poor and the needy, knowing that you are a Father who sees and rewards. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen. As we continue in response, let's stand and sing together. If you would like more information, please visit fbbelton.org or call our church office at 254-939-0705. We are located at 506 North Main Street. We hope to see you soon.